Hopefully everybody out there can hear us. We're uh, in our old setup here because we have three people and uh, two active mics. So, so this will be fun. We're very close to each other. Extremely yes. close. Like if one of us have COVID, that's the end. Well, we've been stuck in this room for a few hours now. So. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're all dead. That's good. That's fine. We have two weeks. Roughly. <laughs> I don't know if it works that but then way. again. I, don't, I think I'm pretty sure it's an exact amount of time. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's either you're dead in two weeks or have a million dollar uh, hospital bill. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> either one isn't great. No, no, it's not. Hey, there's an echo. 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 Why but is get... there an echo? Because she has. A, uh, she's watching on her phone. Fuck. So she can keep track of the chat. <laughs> I turn the volume down. Which is yeah, really that might help yeah, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to see the chat. A plus. And Jenny S entered this live studio. I know that person. Hooray! Oh. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um. Yeah. So how are you guys doing? We've just been in this room, and Robbie's doing it now too. God damn it! <laughs> hey, I turn my volume down faster at least. <laughs> um. Yeah, we've been in this room for like a while now. Yeah. yeah. It's really hot. Hey, you get to experience for the first time like how insanely hot this room gets. Yeah. How's that feel? I have experienced it. Yeah, but like it's summer now. Last time it was winter. It's different. Mm. It's, it's different pretty... whenever you're normally cold and then get a little bit warmer in a room. Yeah, like this room is fine in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. But summer. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like I work at a place without AC. Mm. So. Gross. It's fucking awful. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. Yeah, I wanted to burn my place. <laughs> I, mean, I... I mean, whenever I was working in Salt Lake City, I dealt with that too. It was just a uh, like if it was 108 degrees outside, it was like at least 105 inside that building. Jelly. Hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like uh, in Salt Lake City. Like, since they always had the doors open, no matter how many fans they had blowing, no matter if they had the AC on or not, it was, like, 100 degrees in that or in that building. No. And then on the other side, of, or other flip side of it, is during the winter time, people kept opening up the doors. And so, even though I had to wear short sleeves in front of a moving lathe, I, it was still 20 degrees in there. No. Just no. That's not worth it. Fuck that. Your job sucks. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't work in that job anymore, so. That's true. Now you work in a different, but still... Terrible job. <laughs> but slightly better terrible. Slightly better terrible. That's true. I mean, to be fair, like, I, I worked overtime yesterday, and I spent most of my overtime just talking cars with one of the guys at work. I mean... Sounds awful. <laughs> I mean, there, there's worse things to talk about. <clears throat> I mean, I feel there's worse things to talk about, at least. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I think we should go into... Um, Things that we've been watching. And since I know basically what Sam's been watching, I'm curious if you've been watching anything, Robbie. Uh, mostly stuff I can listen to at work. What if the people out there want to know what I've been watching? Yeah. We're going to get to you. <laughs> Wait your turn. See, what I, what I think he's doing right now is he's at least pretty sure whatever you're watching is more interesting than what I'm watching. That's what he's doing right now. No, I just know what she's watching. And so I don't care as much. <laughs> 
I have my fans out there, I'm sure. <laughs> There's right? I mean, yeah, there was that one guy that wanted to know if you like pain or whatever. That was weird. What? Yeah, that was you were shit, you were at that live show. I guess I, I I guess I blocked it out. Yeah, he was like, Hey, what kind of pain do you like or something? It was it was creepy. It is a little bit weird. Oh, Anyways, watching. <laughs> mostly just like a, a bunch of stuff on YouTube. Like there's one thing that I did want to like touch on at one point in time. Cause uh, like, since I just been kind of scrolling through like random music and random different videos on YouTube, um, there's one that I watched that, that was talking about um, kind of the whole mess of the internet and like how they tend to rate things when it comes to almost like the essay style of movie reviews. And how, in a weird way, thanks to people like the Angry Video Game Nerd or um, Boo. he's one of them, <laughs> or like the Nostalgia Critic Boo. or Boo. the one that Dry watches all the time. Boo. I don't even know who. Well, hey, who I watch? Uh, the oh, it's not Red Room. What the fuck are they called? Red Letter Media. Red, yeah, Red Letter Media? Media. Yeah, they oh. don't do essays. They get drunk. Well, that's thing they started out as doing like kind of the video essay in a sense, but like all of it was meant to be like played as a character of someone who like over um, was overcritical about the movies and then kind of bled into how they really felt about the movies. And it became like a satirical, but not super satirical uh, look on the thing. And like, because they're making money off of it, eventually uh, they had to try to keep up the character. And so like people just got really super into negative reviews on movies, which yeah. is weirdly kind of the thing. Like usually the episodes that we hate filming because we like legitimately get angry at each other for hating on movies that the other person likes. Rashomon, Silent yeah. Voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Blade Runner in a weird way. Kind of, Deer, so, Hunter. Deer, Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter. Actually, no, Deer Hunter. We were all like, I think maybe this movie's not good. Yeah. <laughs> I, there was me. I, I tried defending in that movie. That's some hard movie to defend, man. Yeah. But like, uh, Krampus, I think, sucked, and we were just super negative on that movie. Yeah, like the one, the the ones that we're all like negative on because we just thought the movie wasn't good is bad. Because then we're all just sad or angry afterwards. Yeah, but it... <laughs> but then there's like Rashomon, which like I at least enjoyed yelling about. Yeah, and then like Blade Runner, to which like I think 2049 is an amazing masterpiece. And then I mean... Rocky and E were like, eh. <laughs> right, cool. I mean, I I like doing ones where i completely hate the movie because then i have a lot more to say <laughs> you're way better at shooting on it and yeah. like with the movie we watched tonight i'm like yeah it's a good movie like what <laughs> what do you want me to say about it <laughs> yeah dinosaurs are cool i don't know what you want <laughs> but also with like whenever they were just like robbie had a really strong opinion about uh ready player one it was okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no, i was just gonna say because like the movie was okay but i really enjoyed the book and that's why i was like just slightly disappointed in the movie but uh anyways off that topic like it's kind of the <laughs> sense of uh it's more popular for someone to let be super overcritical of a movie and shit on it for even if it's a good movie just like shit I on mean, all the nitpicking. i know i have more fun with that yeah and like that's things yeah and like people apparently enjoy listening to that more and so people who make money off of basically talking about how much they hated a certain thing about a movie have to keep doing that and it goes into like a thing where they can't be they have to be super overcritical about are all these different things in movies even if it is within itself a great movie yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I think that negativity kind of is everywhere on YouTube. That's what YouTube is for the most part. Yeah, and it was a lot of, like, in a weird way, kind of started with a lot of those people, too. Wherever, like, it started with the movies and, like, the angry video game nerd and stuff like that to where everyone started copying that style and it became just the thing to do on YouTube. Yeah, you're not wrong. I think uh, Channel Awesome had a lot to do with all of that. Yeah. And uh, I think they've mostly gotten their comeuppance for the most part. I think, like, Doug and... Uh, 
What's his name? Uh, his brother? No. Um, other human, Brad. Brad Jones. <laughs> other I human think, named Brad. Like, it sucks that Brad Jones is so supportive of Doug Walker, actually, because Doug and Rob are so shitty. Yeah, and I think I feel like Brad is cooler. I, I agree. I think Brad is like a <laughs> real human. Um, yeah. But like, I think that he also sees that like he kind of needs the other two for him to survive too, because okay. he gets a good check from them. So, yeah. I and like I think that's kind of one of those things. Like, sorry, I feel like he's like made a name for himself. I think he has too. Like, pe- so there are know. people that like Lindsay Ellis. She mm-hmm. went off and she's super popular and she's has like, a career and like, yeah. yeah, she's done well. And then like Todd in the Shadows is doing great on YouTube now. Yeah. Like, and Angry Joe even he was part of Channel Awesome. Like, I remember when these people like pretty much started. So yeah, yeah that's insane. Weird. But um, the whole thing about that too is once you start getting a paycheck for it and that becomes your livelihood and that's like how you make your main chunk of money is by doing all those things. It kind of changes the whole atmosphere of it. Like you kind of have to start catering to your audience a little bit more in a way that it kind of sucks, but it's kind of they something you have to do. Like a good example. Another good example is like cinema sins. Cause like they'll take movies that they actually rather enjoy and they have to find all the right. things that are all the way that they can yeah. shit on it. And like, they have to try to make it as satirical as possible, which I is mean, why every now and then you'll see like one of their sins is these people are white. <laughs> I mean, I think that's like, um, a thing that Brad Jones does anyway, because the cinema snob is like a character. He fucking loves all these movies. Yeah, and yeah. cinema snobs is one of those guys that yeah, is like <laughs> it was meant to be a satirical character, but they wanted to actually talk about their real opinions, and so like in a but they had to keep on playing these characters at the same time. So in a weird way, like their real, um, their real opinions got mixed in with the satirical part of it, and in a weird way, kind of made it non-satirical in a satirical way. Yeah, like, uh, I think something that you're getting at is, like, Jim Sterling, for instance. Yep. Um, he came out recently. He's like, I can't do positive videos. I have to shit on things constantly because my positive videos don't get views, and they fall off immediately. Yeah. yeah. So, like, if I don't I do a negative opinion, like, if I don't have negative opinions on something, people don't watch. Yeah. Like, yeah. and that sucks because that means the guy, like, even if he loves something, he just has to go out there and be like, shitty, Fuck shitty, sucks. I hate this thing. Yeah. And, like... <laughs> I did see a video of him. He was shitting on something else, and he took five minutes of that video to talk about a game that he really liked from an indie developer that he thought did really well, and he hopes that more people plays. He's like, but I can't do a whole video on it because nobody will watch that, so I had to just add it into this video where I'm shitting on something else entirely. Yeah, like, and then for, like, every, I think, like, uh, Rob Walker and Doug Walker that there is, uh, there is a YouTube guy that does like video essays on horror movies, mostly, yeah. uh, mo- mostly horror movies. He goes in other stuff and like relates it back to horror, but Ryan Hollinger, um, I think he does like really great video essays on YouTube and it's just about how much he loves this thing. And he just goes in and dissects it. And yeah. it's awesome. Like even things that I've he doesn't, seen any of his videos. even things like that, he doesn't like very much. Like he'll go in and be like, this was really cool with this thing. And like, they really took a shot at this thing. Um, if not Sam, I'll show you some videos after we get done here. But I think he he's actually incredibly insightful. Um, sometimes you definitely get a, a snobby feel snob, film snob, like film school vibe from him. Uh, <laughs> but most of the time, I think he's actually pretty good and mostly positive. So that's always yeah. nice. And that is good to have that every now and then, especially to break up the monotony. Like, I guess even another good example, like Cinema Sins with their whole thing of satirically shooting on movies, have another channel called Cinema Wins, where they just talk about movies that they love and the things that they love about those movies. See, and that shows how much people don't want to hear positive things, because I didn't even know that channel existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
but yeah, like, and it is true. Like that's the thing is, and I feel like even we fall into that trap sometimes wherever we nitpick at movies and find reasons to shit on movies. And sometimes we just generally don't like movies, but other times like we'll just kind of shit on a small fact just to shit on a small fact. I feel like I, I mean, for me personally, at I mean, least, I don't like go out of my way to be like, this thing sucks. But yeah. like, if I don't like it, I'm going to justify why I don't like it. Yeah. And <laughs> to be fair, like with the podcast we're doing, we are giving our own genuine, genuine opinions on the movies and everything but right that's also why like for the normal podcast that sounds a million times better than this one because of this setup <laughs> we'll um, get there eventually we'll get there eventually yeah we'll get there um but like i think that's why it's so important that we're like here's what we think this movie is going to be let's watch the movie and come directly back and talk about it right away yeah because i think it is important to be like snap decision like before i have time to think and like ponder on it what does my lizard brain think of this film yeah kind of that idea of like um which is kind of something I have a hard time with. So I feel like I always have to think about. Yeah. That, and to be <laughs> fair, like we'll watch it. We'll do an episode and then I'll sit back at home and think like, I should have said this during yeah. the podcast, but it's something I think in hindsight, it's not something like, it's not that quick. Like, what do you see in this picture? Kind of snap reaction. Is this a sailboat or is this two sailboats? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's definitely a naked lady, but. Oh, right. Wrong magazine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just something that I was thinking about whenever I heard that. Um, Another thing that I saw last night out of all time or out of all things is uh, because I watched like a YouTube review on that movie, come and see, come and see that 1980s Russian movie about the Holocaust. It doesn't sound familiar, but I will believe you. It's a movie about, it's meant to be a, a different take on the Holocaust and the director that made that movie. <laughs> Wait, was, like a, what do you mean by a different take on the Holocaust? <laughs> okay. Like a I'm Holocaust denier? No, 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 not a, not a denier. It was kind of like an untold story because it's okay. one of those, like, they always, it's always focused on what happened in the death camps, right. which is very important. And it should, you know, things like Schindler's List, like it's, I feel like those are movies that they very much deserve to be made. But this was kind of, um, it takes place through the eyes of a Soviet soldier uh, that joins the army at the age of 13 and then sees the horrors of World War II through the eyes of a 13 year old boy. Okay. In a weird way. And like, uh, I try not to give too much spoilers because I would love to watch it for the podcast at some point in time. Yeah. Uh, but like, it has like a sad but realistic ending to it. But like the, the video on YouTube is called The Scariest Horror Movie Isn't an Actual Horror Movie. And it's basically just like a video essay of that movie in general and like why the movie is terrifying in and of itself, which I watched the movie and I didn't find it scary. I found it horribly depressing, but it was the same <laughs> thing for like that movie, Let Me Make You a Martyr. That is technically a horror movie, but I found it horribly depressing more than I found it scary. Yeah. But like the subject matters of both those movies are terrifying within themselves. Uh, but anyways, like that one, because um, it's at the end of the movie, because like you basically watch a village burn to the ground in the middle of that movie. And it says like in this Soviet country, there were 628 villages and all of them were burned down to the ground by Nazis. And this is just one of those stories. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So like, that's the different take that I'm talking about because that you, you hear about what happened to the Jews in the Holocaust. You don't hear what happened to African-Americans. You don't hear what happened to gypsies. You don't hear what happened to the Russians or the Polish or anything like that. You just hear right. like the darkest, cause like they try to use that. What was essentially the darkest part of that, even though there was a lot of other horrific war crimes that happened in world war II. Yeah. Yeah. But, that's um, definitely a, the bad way to describe that movie is it's a different take on the Holocaust. Cause yeah. like I immediately think like that's a bad take on the Holocaust, <laughs> which actually makes me think of another thing I heard about recently. Um, 
I recently found out that romper stomper is a racist term now. I've never even heard that. Even uh, romp, like people use like romper stompers because apparently, like I had to look it up myself. But like, uh, <laughs> since I watch Critical Role a lot, uh, some like the ones who have kids, they have code names for their kids, so that way you know people don't find out about their kids outside of the podcast. So they just called them by code names, and one of the guys called his daughter romper stomper because she was a rambunctious little kid, and he thought romper stomper meant like a rambunctious little kid. But turns out later on, like in the 1970s, I think. Australians uh, made these little click clacking toy shoes called romper stompers. And then eventually um, the neo-Nazi movement in Australia, uh, the neo-Nazis, the boots that they wore made clacking sounds. So they started calling neo-Nazis in Australia romper stompers. So that's a fun story. Yeah. <laughs> Since we're talking about Nazis in World War II and the Holocaust and all those fun subjects. <laughs> but Getting off of that topic, because like I was using that as a way, because like I watched that, but I started like getting like recommendations for a bunch of other things, and I got a, re a recommendation for the darkest album I've ever heard, and this guy talking about like why he felt this album was dark, and like it was a really interesting, another interesting video essay from someone who's like roughly about E's age, maybe a little bit younger. Okay, but like, um, I think I don't think the age is like super important on yeah. that. I think for me it was important just because like he's he's very much an adult, the person who did this video, but like whenever uh, he talked about it, cause uh, the album was done by someone who calls him their pseudonym for making albums is the caretaker. And he was, uh, but he made the point of saying like, Oh yeah, he's been making music since 1999. He's been making music longer than I've been alive. And I was just like, <laughs> fuck, I'm old. I'm <laughs> listening to that. That's the only reason I bring that up. But yeah, it was a very interesting video essay of a guy who, made uh, six different albums and all of them are meant to kind of break down the cycle of like what someone would go through while they're going through dementia while listening to music. And so it starts off as like kind of like 1930s music that with like kind of like that vinyl crackle to it. And as you listen to it, like there's like little tiny bits that are missing of it and like you can kind of tell something's off and about it. But as the albums go along through like the six and a half hours it takes to listen to all six albums, it just like gets deteriorated and kind of rots and decays as it goes along throughout the six hours. I appreciate the, the idea. idea of that. And, but I know you that's never like the to exact it, way that you kill yourself. Like <laughs> listening to that from beginning to end in a day is like, well, I guess I shouldn't live anymore. And I guess I'm done now. I mean, it's one of those things like uh, the funny thing is, is uh, it, I guess it took the guy from 2016 to 2019 to make all six albums. And uh, but they are meant to be listened to from front to back, like from one album to the next for six hours straight. No, thank you. Which, yeah, I was going to say, I knew you wouldn't want to listen to them, but I know you would appreciate the idea of it. Kind of like you appreciated the idea of the guy who painted a wall for 25 hours as an art project, but you never watched that video. I appreciate that because that's just a guy saying fuck you to his professor. Yeah. And that's just a real <laughs> clever way to do it. It's a very good form of <laughs> protest art. Yeah. But it's it's something I found interesting just listening to the video essay talking about it. That's it's, fair. And honestly, like, I know you would never do it, but I'll, like there's one of these days I'll probably just be at work and listening to that album. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because I'm me. <laughs> this is like the weird shit that I do to get through my work day. Like, that, that's not an enjoyment thing. Like... I feel like that's something you sit in like a weird like art museum and listen to it with a crowd and drink wine and eat crackers. And then everybody cries at the end and then goes home and never talks about it. <laughs> I don't know. I, in a weird way, the way that I looked at it though, was kind of like 
how Parasite is supposed to be like a more easily digestible way to deal with the complex our complexities of classism. And this is kind of like a more easily digestible way to explain something as complex as dementia. I, I do like that. Like if there's there's people out there that just don't understand like how it works and they get very angry yeah, and confused and when like they have to deal with somebody with dementia. But I think six hours is maybe not poignant enough to like be like, hey, I know that like you're afraid your grandma's gonna have dementia or something like that. Listen to six and a half hours of this quote unquote music. Like I mean, I it is just... it is legit music though. But like I said, it just as it goes along, it just de deteriorates more. But it starts off as actual music. That's fine then. Is it good music? It's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of a way to describe it to you the best because just saying 1930s music isn't going to mean a whole lot. I do like 1930s yeah. music. I was though. going to say it kind of reminds me of the soundtrack for the original Bioshock. Okay, I like that. Yeah, it starts off as that, and it just like kind of deteriorates as it goes along. I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, but I started to listen to it. Okay. I like to listen all, to all, all six hours. Time. Yeah. That's why I said, I'm probably going to do it at work. If I can actually go a day at work with no one talking to me, I could get through this super depressing, dark album. <laughs> cool. So video essays, lots of video essays. For yeah. You. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of what I've been absorbing is something that I can like put my phone in my pocket and listen to while I'm working. That's kind of what I've been absorbing media wise, at least other than that, I've been sleeping and, Trying to adult, if you will. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, Sam, uh, I have an idea of what you've been watching. What have you been watching? I don't know. <laughs> really? <laughs> now you don't want to talk about it. I'm watching a show. It's called Over the Garden Wall. All right. Dry started to show me that and we never finished it. Yeah. It's really cute. Yeah. What I saw of it, I really did like. We got to, I think we got a little bit past the song that he initially showed me for it. Uh, potatoes and molasses? Yeah. Yeah. Potatoes <laughs> and molasses. molasses. <laughs> yeah. It's just so weird little show every episode is like 10 minutes it's so dark for being a children's show and like they cram so much story and they do it so well in these 10 minute episodes and like so many jokes too like yeah. no, there's not a single frame that feels wasted yeah it's so good so good yeah. i love it it's always good whenever you see someone that has somewhat of a passion project like that like something that you can tell that they put love and care into each frame of it. Yeah, which is like a weird thing. Me and Sam kind of had this discussion. Um, she was comparing actors like do completely different things to each other. <laughs> she was like, Elijah Wood is way better than Keanu Reeves, which is like, they're not in the same acting field at all, but okay. I'm just saying Elijah Wood is better than Keanu Reeves at everything. Yeah, okay, Nicolas Cage is better than Keanu Reeves. Elijah Wood is better than Nicolas Cage. Like, they're not doing the same thing. <laughs> it's a different thing they're going for. Well, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier, too, about how I was saying uh, Sam Neely and at least the films that I, that I saw him in. Right. Like, I feel like he's a better actor than Harrison Ford. But you're saying like Harrison Ford does his own thing. Yeah. And Sam Neely does his own thing, which is very true. But I think it's just from what I've seen of the two, because like when I think of like bad movies that Harrison Ford has been, in, I think of like Air Force One. And then, yeah, it's hard for me to versus Cowboys. Yeah. And then whenever I think of Sam Neely, like it's hard for me to think of a bad movie that he was in. That's fair. He's, he's probably been in bad movies, don't get me wrong, but I have a hard time thinking of one. Because I feel like he's just one of those actors, like whatever movie he's in, he just elevates it to a next level. That's fair, honestly. 
That's fair. Um, what else, Sam? Um, not much, honestly. I started. No, I did watch The Wailing. Uh, yeah, you yeah. watched The Wailing. I want you to really talk about that because we have the episode on The Wailing. So if people want to hear our thoughts on that, they can go do that. I forget which number it is. Fuck it, go figure it out yourself. I don't have time for you. <laughs> I know, it's so wow. rude, right? How do we have anybody that listens? We don't. <laughs> Unfortunately, we do. It's very scary. <laughs> um, I don't understand it. I just appreciate it. <laughs> they know I love them. <laughs> Um, yeah, talk about The Wailing. What did you think of that movie? It was weird. I don't know. I already told you. I kind of started falling asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like the most interesting part of that movie. I know. It was really good until I fell asleep during this one part. That was the best part. (laughs) I know. It seemed really interesting. And I tried to watch it. Like, I think the climax of that movie is what makes that movie. (laughs) I know. That's why I have to watch it again. (laughs) killing me and it's also long so it's super long it is yeah. it's three hours that's i have off really i just have a really hard time sometimes with long super like long your attention days. span yeah is it, is it your age oh, <laughs> is that wow why? is it because you're old now maybe i said you're right he is just being rude to you <laughs> she's old i don't know how you're how old are you uh, no how old? three yeah. Way to call her out like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, speaking of long movies, though, too, is uh, I showed Jell the Revenant recently, and we had I a hard. I haven't seen that. Yeah, it was hard for us to sit down through that movie. Yeah, like, it was a long ass. Movie. It is. It is. It's like two and a half hours long, I believe, maybe even longer. Uh, not a lot happens. Well, it's it's not that. It's that the movie goes from being super intense to nothing happening yeah. to super intense to nothing happening to super intense and nothing happening. Like, so it's just like, Oh yeah, you're watching these guys and they're just like working on pelts and, you know, just doing their kind of frontier things. And Oh, look, they're hunting a deer. Oh, how pretty is that deer before it gets shot? And then, Oh, they're getting attacked by Indians and everyone's being scalped. Native Americans. <laughs> Robbie. Wow. Robbie, <laughs> man. I mean, I could cancel <laughs> you specifically. Yeah. <laughs> Not the show. Just me. Here's his address. His last name, the email he uses <laughs> social security number. Last place that I like to dine in at the most. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I actually, um, I know this is a predictable sentence from me. Uh, I really want to watch that movie in 4K. Of course. Um, yeah. It was shot with all natural lighting. That probably looks pretty good. The movie does, like, I'll give you this. Like, even <laughs> though, like, there's a lot of shots where nothing really happens, there is some fucking gorgeous scenery in that movie. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I think I was kind of a little drunk and high when I watched it. <laughs> That's why you're so bored. Do you yeah. like just watch movies ever? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I have a hard time paying attention. <laughs> but, I'll be to be fair though. That movie's hard to pay attention to even when you're sober. Like because it does. Like it's. Like I said, when I say nothing happens, it's literally just like watching scenery and like, like why little flashbacks. Why can't they flashbacks. just get to the point? That's the thing. Why can't they just fucking get to the point? I just what if it's about to... the journey? <sighs> the movie very much is about the journey, but still, like Sam, it's about the journey. Well, the journey is boring as fuck. I don't want to go on that journey. I don't want to go on that journey. It's boring. I hate it. 
Yeah, yeah, maybe four out of five stars. <laughs> <laughs> to be this fair, is that, what I'm talking that about. is the <laughs> I love being naive about things. <laughs> but I was gonna say also to be fair, like that is the movie that got um, Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio his Oscar finally. Yeah, so it's pretentious. So I want to see it in four K. Yeah. Um, to be fair, like even in the 1080p Blu-ray that I have, it is still very much a gorgeous right, movie. Right, like from my understanding, it's still just shot well. Yeah, so, it is shot very I well. Being greenish. Yeah, so, probably. Yeah. That's it, most like natural it, lighting. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it's gray and blue because it's it's in a winter frontier setting. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. it is gorgeously shot. It really is. Like it is a very very beautiful film. It does have actually have a very good storyline to it, but. The slow portions <laughs> are just so slow. I believe you. So I was like, oh, there's a story. Huh. <laughs> yeah, you're actually, <laughs> weirdly enough, there is a story that's happening. I just remember bear attack. And... <laughs> yeah, a bear attack does happen in the movie. Uh, that is something that happens. Apparently that's like a, based on the truth. Is that yeah, based on the so uh, it's, they did take some liberties. There is some stuff that is very, very much factual about that movie. But the bear attack did happen. Like there was a yeah, man I named Hugh I, Glass yeah. who survived a bear attack in 1823. I think I and, listened to a podcast episode about that. Yeah. I was like, whoa. So like, crazy. yeah, the real life story of Hugh Glass is a man who was a um, who was a a trapper. I guess you can call him uh, a guy who collected pelts and sold them for a living. Okay. Uh, while they were out doing a, or while they were out collecting pelts, he was attacked by a bear. And survived the bear attack, but was very gravely wounded. And at one point in time, slipped into a coma. And so since it was 1823, they're like, oh, he must be dead and buried him. And then he woke up in his own grave and had to dig himself out of a grave and then basically live off of twigs and berries. Like while he was <laughs> healing in the middle of the, or, uh, middle of the You're Montana wilderness. <laughs> and basically like kind of like crawl and drag his way 200 miles to the nearest camp. Damn. Like yeah. so that's the real life story that's based off of. But they took liberties to add even more to that story and still have such slow moments that it's hard to pay attention. I still want to watch it. I'm gonna yeah. find it in 4K. I'm gonna watch it. Okay. It, is, it is like I said, it is a good movie, but the slow parts are just that slow. And then Sam, there's another movie that you watched that you didn't even bring up at all. Um 1917. Yeah. <laughs> 1917. You did it. Yeah. Good. Here's a gold star. I was going to say 1922. Isn't that a movie? Too? <laughs> that a movie? That, that's probably like a ripoff of 1917. Yeah, that Hatch movie. 22 is a TV show on Prime. Okay, well, it was called 1917. Yeah, what'd you think? Um, no, 1922 is. Oh, a, <laughs> that is a thing. That is a thing. <laughs> That was that Stephen King uh, miniseries that came yeah. out. Oh, yeah, see, I'm not okay. completely fucking. See, she's not cynical yet. It's just <laughs> scared the crap out of me. <laughs> Sorry, I had a moment. Um. So yeah, what did you think of 1917? It was really good. Yeah, right. It was like beautifully shot. They put a lot of effort into that. Um. It. It was like. So, like, the whole thing about this movie is, like, supposed to look like one continuous shot. And they fucking pull it off. Yeah, they pull it off most of the time. Sometimes you can tell. Yeah, yeah. Um, where they cut it. But but it's really cool, actually. Yeah. See, so, yeah, like, from, the idea is, like, from the first frame to the last frame, there's no real cuts. There's, like, one part where he's unconscious. My where, favorite, like, that's the only ever, like, perfect outfit. My favorite okay. scene was that night scene, um... There's all kinds of things on fire. He's like running from the Nazis. And all those cool lights. Or not Nazis, I guess there's German soldiers at that point. Yeah. Yeah. 
all those cool lights that they put like so much effort into you. Like, yeah, so like, yeah, we were watching like the behind the scenes stuff. Shot. There is a church or something or like some sort of building on fire. Yeah. I just assumed it's a church. I don't know why it might actually be. I don't know. But the way they built it is they actually built like a four story light rig mm -hmm. full of giant lights so that it's they could just... light what the fire would actually be looking like. And then they just added the fire and stuff digitally. That's pretty insane. It looks so, so good cool. though. Yeah, that's really, really cool. And like, it's a circular like thing because they're running around because um, they built giant like mile long sets for this movie also. Yeah, like these trenches, these fucking really, really Huge. long trenches. Um, but yeah, like I didn't even realize the amount of work that went into just to get that fire light scene because it's lit mm -hmm. so perfectly because yeah. he's like running across build like through buildings and like everything's destroyed and the light is through all of it. You see it from every angle and like the shadow. It looks mm -hmm. beautiful. It's perfect. That makes me a bit more excited to watch it. It's a really good movie. Like, yeah. there's not... So, it's uh, it's pretty similar to how I would describe Dunkirk. And they're both war movies. Dunkirk is... Um, from the beginning to the end, it is the climax. Like, it feels like it is the climax to a four-hour epic film. But it's all climax, and it's the whole thing. Um, this feels like almost all climax as well. So tense. Yes. All the time. Like, <laughs> from the second that they get into the trenches you never get a moment of like, everything's okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like you never feel like everything is okay. Cause at any check and like, Hey, there's going to be a sniper or Hey, they're going to fall into a thing or Hey, there's going to be a bomb or Hey, there's like mm -hmm. something. There's always something that you mm -hmm. feel like something's going to happen. It's uh, it's so intense. I love it. So it's yeah. hardcore Henry, but really good. Way, way, <laughs> way better. And like but within the sense, yeah, but within the sense of like, there's always something happening. There's you know, never like a sense those, of like really rest. tense moment moments in like battlefield. Yeah, like that's kind of what it's like for like the whole thing. <laughs> okay, <Yeah. laughs> it's really good. I cannot recommend that movie enough, honestly. Yeah. And it looks amazing in 4K. I have <laughs> to say that about every 4K thing I see yeah. now, or I have to say it's not good. There's actually some 4K movies that don't look good. <laughs> I think um, Ant Man and Captain America: The First Avenger are mediocre 4K. I don't think it takes advantage of HDR enough. It's pretty muted. I feel like those movies were kind of early HDR, though. Yeah, honestly, from what I've seen, even like Endgame, there were some like really beautiful shots in that. But it feels like the way that they made the HDR work is that they dimmed all of it and then <laughs> popped out those colors instead of just popping out those colors originally. Right. And so it feels just a little darker than it normally would, which I think is kind of lazy. Yeah. To be fair, like actual HDR, the way that they have to do it currently, because there's not a camera that can actually... Right. perfectly do hdr so what right. they have to do is they have to do like three continuous shots and like one is like what would be standard definition and then one that was super bright and one that's super dark yeah and then fit those three frames together yeah yeah and so and in some cases it's even more than that sometimes it's up to six shots and like that's what they do for photography so it's somewhat easier for photography for them to do the algorithm for that a little bit harder when you're shooting at 30 frames a second yeah so there is some work that has to be done to it but for something that as big budget as endgame right say, right like it makes it makes sense that they would actually you know put the effort into it to make it look good but i that's my way of justifying it i guess is that it was early hdr so they're still learning yeah uh i wish i wish that end game looked better i mean it still looks good in 4k like you can see all the stitching on the costumes and stuff it's really cool right and if you're a nerd and you like staring at muscular guys in like spandex and looking <laughs> at the stitching on their costumes and whatever like that's 
that's a little bit more than nerdy, but whatever. Maybe it's a little bit more than nerdy, Sam. <laughs> Maybe I'm a little bit more than nerdy. Don't put me in a box. Okay. <laughs> well, there's something new about you tonight. <laughs> as long as his wife never finds out. No <laughs> kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, 1917 is good. And there's an incredibly emotional scene in that movie that I'm not going to spoil, but it's heartbreaking to watch. <laughs> I get, uh, whenever you're saying that it was meant to feel like one continuous shot from beginning to end, it weirdly reminded me of uh, Children of Men. Because it's not meant to look like one continuous shot for that movie, but there are some scenes that legitimately are one continuous shot. Yeah, that car and, scene? Yeah, that Imagine car scene. Imagine an entire movie, that car yeah. scene. And that's what I was thinking was like an entire movie, that car scene. But then when he said like you can tell where they actually had to cut it at certain points, um, it reminded me of like that scene towards the end of the movie wherever like it's meant to look like it's a one continuous shot for 23 minutes. Yeah. But you can tell where they cut it in certain spots. Yeah. I it's unless you like understand how seamless cuts are used in movies i think you wouldn't spot most of them right mm -hmm. like if you aren't thinking about it i don't think you would notice them yeah because i was like trying to trying to actually find some of them some of them i caught some of them i didn't yeah yeah i mean i feel like i've gotten better at catching stuff like that but i feel like the first time i did a seamless cut while editing something is whenever we had our journalism class i say with quotations <laughs> in high school because <laughs> yeah. there's one time uh like i Fun little fact about us whenever we were doing our journalism class. Not only did I shoot everything, I also edited everything. Um, I did nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but he I wasn't was even involved, really. I think I pushed a chair once. Yeah. But he watched it happen. Yeah. But uh, there was one time we had to, like, have her sign off. And so, like, we just, like, kind of wrote on a piece of paper to, like, have her, like, what she was going to say to sign off. And so there was, like, a 30-second scene of her, like, looking at the camera like, going, what are you doing? And then, like, her doing, like, the sign-off thing, and I had to find a way to, like, seamlessly cut it because it was just one <laughs> continuous interview for that. And so, like, the first time that I had a try at doing a seamless cut, I think I was 17 or 18. 17 at that time? It would have been, like, 17. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Not so, bad. like, I, I've gotten better at, like, recognizing whenever they're doing a seamless cut, when there actually is a cut, but they just basically were really good at taking one shot and adding it to another. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Anything else you've been watching, Sam? Um, not really. Uh, I think I already mentioned that I finished The Last of Us 2. We talked about that last week. Yeah, yeah. we didn't want to spoil it. Oh, um, I will get to it eventually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once everybody on it has uh, played it, yeah. I am completely cool with being like, hey, spoiler warning, we're going to talk about this thing. Yeah. Yeah, like, I feel like it's one of those things when it comes to certain video games, like, you just have to give it a certain amount of time for the internet to catch up, then it's, it's fair game for fair, spoilers. Yeah. Especially with something that's like so saturated into yeah. pop culture. Mm -hmm. And that is definitely like with some of the stuff that's happening with people loving the game and hating the game. And then like some certain controversies that happen with it. It's very saturated into pop there, culture. There was a guy at work, uh, the hour and a half point in the game where that thing happened, Sam. Mm -hmm. He said he took it out of his PS4, snapped it in half and threw it in the trash really? when that happened. Oh my fucking God. Right? <laughs> like what the fuck are you doing with your life? You oh. just threw away $60. Because don't... you didn't like an art decision. It's not, it's like, it's such a small point in the game, honestly. It too. really is. Like, you... without talking too much about it, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'll get there. I'll get there. I promise. I'm working on it. The problem is, is I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring Jell along for the ride. And so it's taking me a little bit longer. And it's going to, that second one is going to be a hard ride to take with somebody. Yeah. Like, man, that there's. Game is 
too long, but also perfect. I don't know, man. I mean, it was one of those things with the first Last of Us, since we can talk about spoilers with that one. Like I told Raya, in a weird way for the first game, if that game would have ended after the, like that town that you meet where it's like full of cannibals and you have to play as Ellie for a little while, if that would have been the last boss and there's just like a cutscene and the game ended there, I would have weirdly been okay with that. But I was really glad that like that was basically the half point or halfway point of the game and it went on for like another five or six hours. So what if I said The Last of Us 2 has a point in it to where you're like, wow, that was a great, like that's such an incredible ending. Like mm-hmm. I can't believe it. And then you then had it's... 17 more hours. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I can see that because I had a couple points like that in the first game. So it doesn't surprise me that they would do that in the second game. Like what if you went yeah. through what basically what was Last of Us 1 and then inside of Last of Us 2, they gave you Last of Us 3. Yeah. <laughs> basically, that's... I'm okay with there's that. A f- there's a quite a few points where I thought, okay, this is the end. I'm yeah. okay with this ending. And then it just kept going. And then there's a couple points of that with the last of us one. And that yeah. was one of them is I thought it was going to end. Like whenever you played as Ellie during that scene in the first game, I thought it was going to end after that. And I would have been weirdly okay with it, with them like going back to his brother's play or to where you meet the brother. I and, cannot wait yeah. for you to play last of us too. Yeah. I would have I... been perfectly fine with the ending right there, but I was so glad that it went on for Longer than that because I feel I, I was kind of on the same board as Dryas. Like I felt like the ending was perfect for the first game. Uh, yeah, but I wasn't mad that they're going to be making a second game. It made sense to me that they're going to make a second game. Mm-hmm. See, I was. I think the reason why I was able to like enjoy, uh, the second one so much is because I went into it not wanting it at all, and I feel like within the first couple hours, it like earns that it needed to exist. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like I think there is a world to where Last of Us. Like, if you wanted Last of Us 2, then I think that Last of Us 2 is bad. <laughs> Almost. Like, because it kind of shits on fans a little bit, I think. Uh, in a way. But I really wanted it, and, like, no. It just, it, it's awful, but it also feels like it's something that would definitely happen. Yeah. Okay. And, like... It honestly, it it carries its tone from from an hour and a half mark forward. You're not happy. None of I mean, us happy. Yeah, None I was gonna say. I, I think that's. I think that's just the Last of Us in general. You're not meant to be like that game is supposed to be super depressing. Actually, there are some happy points, and it just completely shits on you. Yeah. A lot. yeah. I mean, that was also the first game, though, too. Like there yeah. was, they did a really good job with the first game blending like slow, happy look at how beautiful the world is mm-hmm. moments with just shitting on the characters. Yeah. I think there are two happy moments in Last of Us 2. What I love it about these games so much is that, like, there's so much, like, intense, horrible things happening all the time, but then there's these really great moments, like, simple Like, small things. Yeah. That completely just, like, blow you away. Yeah, and uh, (laughs) Troy Baker was saying that he actually talked to a fan about the first game and how... Uh, I'm paraphrasing this, so I'm probably getting a lot of it wrong, but I want to say that that guy lost it, like lost a daughter in real life. And so that game was mm-hmm. hard for him to play through, mm-hmm. but a moment for him that was super beautiful was that moment with the drafts in the first game. Yeah. yeah I said, cried when I saw that. I'm not kidding. I cried. I was like, it's a fucking draft. Yeah. <laughs> but he was like, and the guy said that sometimes you have to go through that pain and hardship in order to get to that draft moment. And he actually uses that like, Basically, as a or as a way to say, like sometimes you have to go through the tough moments in order to find beauty in the world, and, like to find those yeah. beautiful somber moments. Yeah, I think 
And so like sometimes like sometimes you have to go to the pain and misery to find your giraffe moment. Yeah. Those games do that super well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. And I think that's part of the beauty of like that game series in general, but that's also going back into movies actually i think that's something that's actually important in some movies too is like you can't just have like it a movie be super depressing and like consider it to be like a horror movie in a sense yeah. like there has to be in a weird there has to be that sense of hope somewhere in there or else you kind of lose you lose the grit of the horror if you don't have that sense of hope yeah in yeah. a lot of movies too which once again like i've said a lot of times with certain are certain movies um that movie come and see that was in a weird way. Like it did have its small somber moments like towards the beginning of it, but it's kind of like everything's fine until it's not kind of moments. And then there's movies like, um, let me make you a martyr, which I felt like that movie was super depressing all the way through until the very ending. Yeah. Um, I think honestly, that's kind of what for, uh, for me anyway, like why a really good horror movie, um, hits so much differently. Like if there is a dramatic horror movie, I think the reason why I end up loving them more than just like a drama movie or just like a horror movie is because it's, if you buy into the horror, if you're able to suspend your disbelief enough to be like, okay, house has ghosts. Yeah. What, what else? What's going on here? <laughs> um, and like, you're able to buy into that world enough. I think that when it hits you with those very human moments, like it snaps you back and you're like, right. They're people like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's able to like take you off guard and just like, it's kind of like whenever you're for some people, like when you're being taught to swim and you're just thrown into the deep end, it's like suddenly there's just like this shock of like, oh, right. And before you know it, you're feeling something you weren't expecting to feel. I think that's what like horror, good horror is really great at doing. So I think like that's kind of what the magic of The Last of Us is, is that it's, yeah. it's this horror thing that is able to punch you in the face with these very human moments. Yeah. So many times it punches you. <laughs> All the time. Right in the dome piece. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's it is true. Like if they can do it well and have those very human moments and it can make for very good storytelling. Yeah, which it's not horror, but there was a very up and down, like in a good way, emotional movie that uh, we watched called um, Blind Spotting, starring to feed Diggs. Me and Liz watched it. And that football movie. No, no. Okay. I think it's blindsided. Oh that's yeah, that's blindsided. blindsided. Okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. And there's this white lady, and she adopts this black kid, and I was like, "Wow, <laughs> no." <laughs> oh, maybe it's awful. Yeah, it's so bad. Sandra Bullock sucks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a very strong opinion. <laughs> She's terrible. But no, blind spotting. Um, it is about a guy who committed a crime, and he went to jail, was convicted. He's out on parole. And we start following him when he has three days left on his parole. And he's like hanging out with his friend and he's like his best friend. And there's like this really great comedy in it. But you through all of it, you're like you feel this kind of pain through the main character to be Diggs uh, played by the Diggs. I can't remember the character's name, um, but you feel this pain through it all. And kind of like how he feels like he's not a human anymore. He feels like an outsider because Nobody treats him like anything. Like he is now just a convict. He's not a human anymore. He's just convict, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it starts hitting him more and more when one night when he's driving home back to his halfway house, he witnesses a shooting and a cop shoots a black man that's running away in the back. Um, and the cops just tell him like, leave right now. And so he eventually leaves 
And then the rest of the movie is him dealing with witnessing that and coming, trying to figure out and come to terms with like there, what stopped like when I did my crime, like what, what's the difference between what happened there and what could have happened to me? Like just because some asshole was there, like my life could be ended um, when it could just be anybody else and their life wasn't. Um, Cause like he, he has a, a, a white friend that's there with him when he does his crime. And there's a question that's asked like, if, if you were the person on top of the man when the cops showed up, do you think you'd be alive right now? And like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, re- it's, it's incredibly funny. And then it gets very, very emotional. And there's like this free spoken poetry and like freestyle rap in it throughout the whole thing that like just blends seamlessly with all of it. And it just feels like an extension of the dialogue. Um, it's honestly beautiful. And it ends with, cause they're movers and he's, I guess I won't spoil the exact thing, but it ends with like a confrontation basically. And him being like, I am a human. I'm not just a target. I'm not just a number. Like I'm a human being. Um, yeah, it's just really, really powerful. And there are very few writer director teams that like, I would just like to shake their hand and be like, thank you for making this thing. Like it, it's amazing. And like, I feel like David Diggs uh, is one of those people. And it's just, yeah, it's really, it's really good movie. I highly recommend it. People really, okay. really knew, do need to watch that. It came out a couple of years ago and I feel like it got like critic praise and it did fine in the box office, but I feel like nobody has talked about that movie and it, I, I don't know why. Cause it deserves so much praise. It's so good. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like another movie that I wanted to watch at some point in the podcast. Like there's a chance that uni will still hate it, but it's a movie that I really like, and it's somewhat for, the same reason and it sounds like it'd be a dumb movie but mm-hmm. it actually has some really good really human moments behind it and it's in a weird way how i found out that john goodman is a really good actor he can be yeah he like, can be yeah and uh because he played in a he played like a crime lord in that movie that's weird <laughs> yeah it, it, it's weird to think of john goodman as a crime lord the same guy who played fred flintstone in the 90s yeah but he did a really good job with that and like there's a lot of really down-to-earth human moments about it because like uh, i guess a spoiler for the beginning of the movie is it starts off with like you know this um kind of suburban home family you know probably upper middle class you know doing fine and like them getting ready to see their son off to college basically and talking about like what he's gonna do with his future and everything and they have to get gas at the shady gas station Mm -hmm. and uh what happens is there's a gang initiation are that ends up happening at that gas station and this father watches his son get murdered in front of him and there's like this very very human very real moment of the family grieving the loss of their son in that Mm. at the beginning of it while they're going into trial because like uh the guy who actually kills his son he like tackles him into the parking lot and like pulls off his mask and he's the only one that he actually sees there and he says like you know like yeah this is the guy who killed my son and there's like this at the beginning of it this trial of saying like you know whether or not they'll be able to get our, whether or not he'll get a plea deal or not. And he's like, what do you mean he'll get a plea deal? I want this guy away for life. He killed my son. Like kind of like this very, it it's kind of like this, like it's a weird concept of it, of like, you know, him trying to get revenge on this gang that killed his son. But it, you know, and it sounds like it'd be a dumb 2000s movie because of that reason, but mm-hmm. it goes in those very real moments of like, <laughs> I guess one good example is there's like a scene in the movie where like, after all of it's like said and done and everything, wherever he's, taking a shower and he just has like a breakdown in the middle of him taking a shower and his wife goes in to make sure that he's okay. And he just starts saying that like, cause they had a fight earlier that day of like, 
how come he didn't do more to save him? And like, he just has, like, it's kind of shows like someone having a mental breakdown in the worst possible spot in a sense. Cause he's in the middle of taking a shower and like his wife just starts holding him while he's sitting there ne- or wet, naked and crying saying, I'm sorry over and over again. Just, like, I've been there a- Tuesday nights. You know, oh like, yeah. <sighs> he was just missing the vodka. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's one of those, like it is, it does have some dumb disbelief moments to it, but it also has some very human moments and like, I think one thing that I liked about it, there's not really a clear sense of like good and bad guy as much as it's just complicated people with it. And so I feel like that was one of those movies. It's not the best movie ever made or anything, but I feel like it's an underrated movie. Okay. Okay. And so like, that's kind of, I think if there's anything I bring to the podcast, it's a bunch of weird, obscure movies that not a lot of people talk about. Whether a lot of like weird early and mid two thousands movies in. Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's actually one of them that I've talked about a lot that I'm not sure how we're going to be able to do a podcast, our podcast episode on it. And I feel like that movie's my ghost story or like how ghost story is for you like i have a feeling you and e might hate it but i really really love that movie what the hell's ghost story okay i'm gonna bring ghost story on the podcast um it's probably gonna be one of our early ones next year um because we have everything else planned for the rest of this year basically yeah i think there's like one slot we have that's available um i think i have to look at the schedule again i think it's maybe one more um so it'll probably end up being one of the earlier ones maybe like, like movie three or four next year so we already know the first one. We're not going to say it. We already know what it's going to be. Um, and uh, yeah, Ghost Story, I really love. And it makes me really, really sad and emotional every time I see it. And I could see why somebody would really hate it. Because there's just like a seven minute scene where a girl cries and eats a pie on a floor. And like that's kind of the tone of the movie, is crying and eating pie on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like Dryad talks about that scene, and then like there's a scene that E talked about where we're like they're painting a wall, and I guess E had a moment where he's like, "Oh God, they're not going to make us watch paint dry on a wall, are they?" (laughs) (laughs) Which that told me a lot about the tone of the movie, but it weirdly made me want to watch it. (laughs) Yeah, and like the thing is, it's very slow. And it's shot in a way, it's framed four by three. Sounds like I'm going to love it. You are going to love this movie, Sam. (laughs) You're going to hate this movie. (laughs) This is going to have to be one of those movies that, like, me and Sam will have to be the last ones in or something. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's purposely shot in four by three. And it has a border that looks like an old-timey photo. Um, And Casey Affleck's under a sheet the whole movie. You see his face for, like, two minutes. The rest of the time, it's actually Casey Affleck under a sheet, but not talking. That's that movie. Why? Art. (laughs) Art. It's art. (laughs) It's really good. It makes me really emotional. And I think, I don't know. You're not going to like it. I completely understand why people would not like that movie. And it's, it's all those things. And it feels very long because it's all those things, but it's barely an hour and a half. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) It's one of those movies that feels a lot longer than what it really is. And I like the movie and I think it feels really long. So I can't imagine how you're going to feel, Sam. Uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, the other movies I've been watching is uh, Elijah Woods starring, one of his starring roles, Come to Daddy. I watched a little bit of that. I don't really remember. Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. It's weird. It's a weird horror indie movie. He does a lot of those now because Elijah Woods is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen one of his weird indie horror movies before. I just haven't seen that one. Yeah. What, he's Maniac? Yeah. 
Oh my god, Maniac is so good. That gave you nightmares. <laughs> Me? Yeah, I, I remember like the day after we watched it, you're like, yeah, I had nightmares last night. I was like, cool. I'll be honest, like I watched Maniac and I went through like this weird void in my head where like that's a, that movie is weirdly in my head a sequel to The Good Son. <laughs> That's fucked up. That's yeah. an interesting. <laughs> like in my head, because like in that movie Maniac, I guess spoilers for people who haven't seen it is like a guy who's a maniac because he was abused by his parents as a young uh, as a young child. But um, like in my head, it was he was abused by his parents while he was young, and then eventually gets adopted into this family where they have a psychopathic son that causes him to be even more of a psychopath because he are uh, because of that, and then goes into like this weird or uh, went to like this weird side arc. Uh, part of my brain to where like all these other movies were just where all these other like happier movies or fantasy movies that he was in like Lord of the Rings which is something that was in his head to deal with all the stress of his life and then eventually went into him being the maniac that he is in that movie I or refuse your theory <laughs> I refuse it downright and after he completely uh, breaks down at the end of maniac it, it goes into the show Wilfred <laughs> oh my god I love Wilfred um, <laughs> where he's not so much a maniac anymore but he hears a dog that talks to him yeah um, but no, Come to Daddy is a very lame indie horror movie until the last third. And it becomes an extremely different indie horror movie at that point. Because the beginning of it is Elijah Wood goes to try and visit his father because his father abandoned him. Oh, yeah. Now I'm when he was five. Yeah. And he gets there and his dad's a horrible asshole. He breaks his like limited edition phone. It's like 500 mm -hmm. copies. There's like only 500 versions of this phone out and his dad breaks it immediately. He's trying to impress his dad. About I work in the industry and I know those people. And then he like tests him and he doesn't know these people. And it's a really weird moment. And the dad's like an alcoholic and sort of trying to murder him the whole time. And then there's a turn in the movie to where it's not his dad actually at all. Oh, that's spoilers. Thanks. Yeah. And I won't spoil the rest, <laughs> I guess. I guess. So Sam can watch it. Um, so you're finished watching but yeah, it becomes a very different movie at that point. Hmm. And really dark, dark comedy. And not just like weird stuff like it was before, like just kind of like awkward comedy. It mm -hmm. becomes super dark comedy. Well, I feel like Elijah Wood is great at that. So. He's really good. Yeah. Um, there's even there's a line in the movie. It's, I think it's a part you've seen to where somebody asks like, or like somebody says like, you don't have raisin eyes. I'm like, <laughs> what? Yeah, you have these very big, open eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're like, yeah. What I found is people with raisin eyes are usually villains. You don't have those, so that's good. Your dad does, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just weird because, like, yeah, Elijah Wood has like really big, innocent eyes, and no matter what he does, he can be like saying somebody, telling somebody to go fuck themselves, and like stabbing someone to death, and you're like, oh, he's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I watched that. Uh, I think I can recommend it. I think it's weird. It's a weird movie. Um, and then the other one was Hulu original Palm Springs, which is, uh, I don't want to say too much because I feel like this is one of those ones where going in without knowing anything makes it a better movie. Cause even the description on Hulu doesn't say like what the movie's actually about. Um, I'll say it's a romantic comedy. That's a very hard R starring Andy Samberg and produced by the rest of Lonely Island. Interesting. And it's a romantic it's, comedy. I think I've seen the uh, trailer for that. Is that... <sighs> it's in Palm Springs. Yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> I'm trying to describe... Uh, 
to describe in a way that's not going to spoil of what I've heard about it so far. I don't think there's a way for you to do that. One that one that kind of has like a Groundhog Day vibe. Well, you spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying I couldn't spoil it. <laughs> so I don't think you could describe it without spoiling it. Oh. I was right. Um, yeah, it's a, it's basically Groundhog Day, but it's really. But a hard R romantic comedy. Yeah. Um, I'd say it's like romantic comedy light because like they have those elements in it and it's a very act one, two, three structure of romantic comedy. Like find the person, love the person, person fight leave, the person. fight with the person, get together. With it's a very basic romantic comedy <laughs> structure. But like everything within that is just really fun and like cute. And I don't know. I just really liked it. I mean, that's fair. It's kind of like what I told you, like, one of my favorite romantic comedies is actually one that just kind of breaks that structure. Because like I said, it just has... I, I realized that formula very early on about romantic comedies. It's just like boy finds girl, boy falls in love with girl, boy fucks up, boy uh, apologizes to girl, and they live happily ever after. Like, yeah. that's most romantic comedies. Yeah. And the ones that break away from that are the ones that I tend to like. And, like, one that kind of broke away from that was a movie called My Awkward Sexual Adventure, which starts off with a guy having sex with his girlfriend, and she's so bored she falls asleep. <laughs> Like, that's how that movie starts. Like, open credits, that automatically. (laughs) I'll say, the the tone of this movie for Palm Springs, uh, to understand the tone, I think it portrays that really well. He wakes up and is like, oh, like, let's have sex, girlfriend. Like, they start doing it and she gets bored. She's like, I'm not going to finish at this rate. Just let me do it myself. And, like, she goes off to find her vibrator and he stands there, like, bored face and just, like, masturbating while watching her look for her vibrator. And that's how the movie opens. <laughs> it's very similar for my awkward sexual adventure. Cause like, it's literally just like, it's quiet and dark. And you just kind of hear like a bed squeaking and like guy kind of moving up or up and down. And then he's like, you enjoying yourself? And then look down and she's fast asleep. <laughs> that's Aww. depressing, yeah. man. It, it is. <laughs> but it, it kind of sets the tone of the movie. Cause like it, it goes on, that movie goes on from that to in the morning, he proposes to her. And during oh. the middle of his proposal, she breaks up with him. And then, oh. yeah, he goes up to Canada on a business trip and gets super drunk at a uh, strip club. And the stripper takes pity on him and, like, lets him sleep at her place. So that way he's not, that way he doesn't get robbed in the middle or middle of the street, basically. Okay. <laughs> Since it's they're in the middle of Toronto in the middle of winter also, there's that. <laughs> um, but there's that. And, like, uh, what happens is, he tells her, like, he takes a look at her finances since he's a, an accountant and realizes that she's kind of fucked financially. Mm-hmm. And he tells her that he will help her with her finances if she helps him, like, you know, get this girl to like, or get his ex-girlfriend to like him. In okay. a way. And so, like, they kind of work together to try to, like, he works with her with her finances and she works with him to, like, try to make him a better romantic partner. And they start falling in love with each other in the middle of this. But, like, it, there's a lot of really awkward, funny scenes to it uh, that just makes it charming and funny and kind of lighthearted in a weird way, even though it's a very hard R romantic comedy. Okay. Like even, even to the point where there's a, uh, there's actually a point in the movie where uh, the guy and the ex-girlfriend are both arguing with each other. And the argument just uh, degrades into fuck you. No, fuck you. Fuck you. No, fuck you. And like just back and forth for like five minutes of them doing that. Cool. Cool. I'm giving a bad description of this movie, but it is actually <laughs> really funny. It doesn't seem like my kind of movie, but maybe it's very good. You have a different, very taste in comedy than that, I do. That is fair. That is fair. But I, when it comes to romantic comedy, like I kind of put that as like, because it's different is why I like it so much, I think. For me, and this is a weird choice, but my favorite romantic comedy, um, 
is about time. Because it's not really about the love story, ultimately. It's a time travel movie, so again, there's like a science fiction thing in it, so maybe that helps me when my nerd brain get closer to like the story for it. Um, but like right away, the guy, like the dad teaches the kid, he's like, hey, like every male in our family has the power to like go into a dark closet and time travel. Any point that we've been to in our lives and we can do whatever, as long as it's in our life. If we, if we were there, then you can time travel to that point in your life. It's like, okay, I'm going to do it. And he's like, okay, do it. Prove it. He's like, I'm going to go to last year's New Year's party. He's like, okay, cool. It's like, I'm going to do it. And when I come out and, uh, and I haven't time traveled, I'm going to be pissed. It's like, all right, son. And then he time travels. Um, goes back to the party, does everything exactly like he did before, but then he like gets back into his own time. Um, he's like, holy fuck, I time traveled. He's like, I know, right? It's like, so what are the rules? He's like, oh, as far as I can tell, there aren't any rules. Things just seem to change as you do them. Um, um, but there's like this thread underneath it all that like the more you time travel, um, the sicker you get from something. So like his uncle, uh, dementia, eventually his dad, cancer, uh, him, Nothing as far as we see, because uh, he eventually learns, like, live in the moment, basically. Um, but he uses this time travel to get a girl very early on. Like, act one into two is, like, find the hot girl, uh, get the hot girl, marry the hot girl, have a bunch of kids. And then he learns that, like, hey, like, if I want to have the same kid, I can't time travel back before I had this exact kid and these exact experiences, because then I'll have a different kid. So he learns, like, hey, if I have this kid and I've named it, and it's this kid... If I go back and like change what like peanut butter sandwich I ate this day, then I won't have the same kid anymore because it's not going to be that same exact sperm at that same exact time. Basically, it's a weird. <laughs> I know that's a weird thing, but <laughs> um, and then it turns out that like since his dad has cancer, like he has to choose because like every now and again he'll like time travel back and just spend more time with his dad because his dad's cool. Um, and he eventually has to decide like, do I keep spending time with my dad or do I keep my family? And like it's just really really good because it's ultimately not really about the love story it's just about like acceptance and like learning to be happy with your everyday life and then it's kind of heartbreaking intermittently in there and it's just really like charming and funny and cute again like it's just really like that's my top tier romantic comedy it's just really fun and cute and charming and then ultimately really really sad so i think it, that, that's fair the sad part and then the science fiction part like meet and then i enjoy it <laughs> I don't know why that kind of weirdly reminded me about that movie Cashback. I don't know what that is. Uh, it was another romantic comedy, actually. Uh, <laughs> but it's mostly about this guy that takes his clerk job because he can't sleep at night. And then like most, he talks about how most people do things to try to make the time go by faster. And in a weird way to make time go by faster, he freezes time. And so he just like, it never explains why, but he just has this ability to freeze time. And he uses that time to like draw, like draw pictures of people while they're frozen in time weird yeah but like and it, like i said it never really explained like there's a lot of continuity 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 errors con yeah continuity errors in it like uh it never explains why he can freeze time but he can actually freeze time and like just do whatever he wants while he's free our uh, time is frozen and in order to unfreeze time he just has to crack his knuckles huh and then at one point in time he meets somebody else he doesn't talk to them he just sees somebody else that can actually walk through time like he can while time is frozen never shows that person again he just Season once, he's like, huh, other people can do this. And then it just never talks about it again. Okay. Uh, not that at all. Yeah. It's not like that at all. I don't like, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that they're the same thing, like, at all. Like, they all sound like very, very different movies, but like, it just made me think of that for some reason. Yeah. Um, and then, Sam, I'm still going through the Dark Tower series. 
Um, mm-hmm. Have you finished the third book yet? No. I'm pretty close. Okay. Um, how far are you into it, would you say? Mm, probably a little over half. I don't know. It's been a long time since I actually put it down. So. Okay. There's a part in it that I'm going to say. I don't think it's a big spoiler. Um, in fact, it's not a big spoiler. It's just really, really prime weird Stephen King. <laughs> so Odetta is in it, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, she has the personalities that she's able to just like snap out like it's a superpower. Yeah. Which is weird, but that's a whole different thing again. That's mm-hmm. weird. Anyway, there's this demon, and they're fighting this demon, and it's like, you got to distract the demon. I'm like, okay, I'm going to distract the demon. And she goes and distracts the demon, and the demon starts raping her to death. And then in her head, she's like, no, you can't rape me to death. I'm not rapeable. I'm going to rape you. And I so she starts counter-raping have, the demon. I may have gone to that point. I'm not sure. That's that is how, so weird. That's how they beat the demon. <laughs> she counter-rapes the demon to death. That is so weird. I, the more I read, well, quote unquote read, I listen to them at work. Um, But the more that I get into these books, the more they're not good. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's not that I'm not enjoying them. It's that. It felt like he had an initial idea with the first book and then he tried continuing it and just failed. No, I just feel like I can see the drugs in every word. (laughs) Like, it's like, oh, this was when he was doing cocaine. Oh, he had, like, way too much whiskey when he was writing this page. Like, (laughs) you can, like, feel that he was real high or drunk in certain parts. Even so much so to where, like, there is an entire chapter dedicated to a Thomas the Tank Engine ripoff. Yep, 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 yep. And they pay it off later in the book. I'm not going to say exactly what, because I don't think you've gotten there yet. Um, But it becomes like this huge fucking thing. Like, that's what the entire book is based on. I think I did get a book part. It's really, really weird. Yeah. And I'm really excited to get to the super meta parts, to where Stephen King is just in it as himself. And everybody is, what happened? Yes. Like okay, that's the thing I know. That <laughs> that's the thing I know about this is like in the middle of him writing these, he got hit by a bus. And he went through like this existential crisis. There was like 10 years where he didn't write the series at all. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, you know what? In order for me to deal with getting hit by this bus, I need to write the rest of these books about these characters saving me from getting hit from a bus. And then I have to write the ending to their series. <laughs> Inside of the series. Mm -hmm. They are actively defending Stephen King. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, That's just weird enough to make me want to read them more. (laughs) I don't know if it's worth it yet. I'm almost done with the third book. There's like seven, kind of eight, because he redid the last book because fans outraged about it and said it was a bad ending, so he rewrote the last book. Really? Yeah, I'm not kidding. Um... So, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to finish the series. I have to at this point. It's too weird. I have to finish I it. I mean, to be fair, like, there is a series that um that's kind of like that with me, too. The Iron Druid Chronicles series. Because yeah. there's nine books and three novellas in that series. <laughs> and I'm on book eight. And I was, like, midway through book eight. And then I moved back to Colorado and stopped reading it. And I need to get back onto that series. You're so close to the end. Yeah, I am. And, like, I basically have the eighth book, the novella, and then the ninth book. Sometimes when I like 
get close to an end to the end of a book, I like put it down for a long time. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I put I don't the series it for a long time. Yeah, I put that series down like a year and a half ago, and I need to finish it. Yeah, and then I like finally pick it up again. It doesn't take me very long to finish it. I don't know why I do that. But like, do you I've done that a couple everything? times. What? Do you remember everything? Because I can't do that. No. Like, if I put some, if I put like a series down for long enough, I won't go back. Because I'm like, I have to like catch up and I have to like look at stuff. That's... Or like, if, if it's a book. If I'm like four chapters in and I don't go back to it for like two weeks, I'm like, have to reread all that. So I'm just not going to go back to it. Ever. It's kind of like what I did with the magic of by Clive Barker, just long ass fucking book. And it took me forever to read that. Well, Clive Barker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's weird as fuck too. Wasn't that that book that you did a, a series of paintings for? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Um, there's a book series of his that I wanted to read because apparently like, he did like he did there's a bunch of illustrations in the book and i guess he hand painted all of them himself and oh. i guess he said that he actually changed up the story based on how he did the paintings because like he said that he realized things about the characters because of how he painted them and it like changed the way that he thought thought of that character it's possible that book is really weird yeah so clive barker just does acid all the time i guess yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> probably i mean to be fair i told you about that game jericho that he did and how they had I to like played it. You don't have to tell me about it. Well, no, I was because <laughs> I told you that little detail about how uh, the game developers had to like recompile the entire code for the game. Yeah. Because he took like one look at the game and said, "Nobody blinks in this game. Like people need to feel realistic and they need to blink." Really? Yeah. He he made such a big deal about that. They had to recompile the entire code so people blinked. And that is like the least of the problems with that game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a six-hour game that feels like it needed to be a 20-hour game or, like, seven movies. Like, it feels really rushed in the second act of what yeah, would be it, that game. And it's a slasher game, basically. Like, their slasher rules apply to it. And so characters that, like, you play for a long time, they die, and then you never play as them again. And you have to learn a whole new character set of abilities, and then they die, and you never get to play as them again. Oh my God. And it's six hours. So, like, when you end the game, you end up playing with a character that you barely played with, and, like, you don't really feel a connection to any of these characters. For me, what it was that... I think that the biggest thing for me is I hated the way... It, like, I was okay with everything. I forgave it for a lot of things until the ending. And I was so pissed off at the ending of that game. And the only reason they ended that game is because, like, after they developed, like, we're going to make a sequel. We're already working on the sequel. Then it sold poorly, and they never made a sequel. Yeah. Yeah, which is what happened in the game industry a lot. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to say, Robbie, is I finished season two of Westworld. I'm on season three. Nice. I need um, to get on season three. <laughs> I finished episode two of season three, I believe it is. Or it's episode three. It might be episode three. Um, I think I hate Westworld now. <laughs> so it's just the more you watch it, the more you hate it. No, like I think season three is actively bad. Like, it's hmm. not even good as just its thing anymore. Like, season two was at, like, at least it was like, it's doing its thing. I just don't really like what it's doing. Yeah. And it's doing it well. Season three, I think, is like, they just stopped giving a fuck. And it all feels rushed and, like, bad. Bad. It just feels bad. I even though it took them two years to do that season three. I still can't get through the first few episodes so like yeah and you're in the best parts of the show yeah. i don't think i like it very much yeah if you don't like it now i'm gonna say don't keep watching it's not it's not worth the pain <laughs> <laughs> and there's people like me who just actively like that show like i may like the third season i don't know i haven't seen it yet but like it's because they took like a two-year hiatus on that show 
And so like, I just need to get back into it. Like it's finally in the place where I think the show needed to be for season two, but now they're like rushing along with things that I don't think need to be rushed along. And there's like a bottle episode in season two that meant nothing. Like the one with the native American, like that was ultimately, it meant nothing at all. And then it took 58 minutes for that. But there's like huge plot points in season three where it's like, and this and this and this and this and this and this and then credits. And like, it feels like it's being rushed so hard. Mm. I do not like it. I do not like it, Sam. I mean, that's the thing is like every single time, (laughs) every single time we talk about that show, you just go on about everything you don't like about that show. So I've just actively had in my mind that you just don't like that show in general, but you keep watching it. I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe it's like a Dark Tower thing at this point. Like, I just have to finish it. But, like, I'm struggling to be like, I'm going to sit down and watch Westworld. When I could be like, I'm going to sit down and do do anything else. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to get to that. Whenever I actually have a moment to sit down and do something, I try to do something that I enjoy. And as of right now, like, on that list of things to do is to... Play the, or to replay Last of Us One so I can show Jell what the first game was like, and play the or and play the Evil Within. And like I told you guys, I feel like I'm just bad at the Evil Within. But then you told me that I shouldn't be starting it on survival mode. Yeah, yeah, it's really fucking hard. Yeah. That game is purposely extremely hard. You want to hear the funny thing about me playing it on survival mode? I got the knife or knife beach chainsaw achievement. Why would you even fight a chainsaw guy with a knife? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> you're, so doing one of those, you're doing it, the game a disservice by playing it like this. It's just one of those things of you're just like, I'm I'm saying I'm bad at the game. You're like, no, you're just playing it at too hard of a difficulty. First, first you play it at a lower difficulty so you can get familiar <laughs> with it and you know this is gonna turn into this is gonna turn to mass effect 3 wherever i was texting dry going oh my god this fucking game and dry just telling me just play it at an easy easier i'm gonna tell you right now robbie i played it on normal and the last two hours of that game are so fucking grueling like they're they have action movie set pieces with your same ammo limit from the rest of the game fuck yes like it's a hard game yeah no i i don't doubt that it's a hard game like i'm finding out very much that it's a hard game playing it on survival. Cause like in my brain, it went that like, Oh, survival mode. That's like normal. I can play on normal. Click. No, man. No, no, <laughs> no. <it's not>. <laughs> <laughs> are you telling me that I need to just restart the game on casual? Yes. <laughs> oh, wait, what chapter are you on? Four. Yes. You're so early to restart the game. You're like 45 minutes into that game. Oh my God. I've been playing for like two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't, you need to be farther in that game. Restart that game. <laughs> that being said, I haven't played in like a week and a half because like I get home and I sleep and I go back to work. Yeah, you sleep a long time though. Not really. I just work nights. Stop doing that. Oh, I wish I could. <laughs> I really wish. Like I'm not even saying that as a joke. I really wish I could. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I now have a goal of saving up $125 so I can rent my own theater. I still think it would be really cool if they like let us rent out a theater and just like no, it seems like game. <laughs> you have, when you rent it out, you have to be like, I want to rent one theater for this movie. Like, yeah. you have to pick the movie you're renting the theater out for. Uh, I'm going to find the list again real quick because it's it's all classics. It's all, like, classic films Yeah, on the list. Um, Jurassic Park, of course, being one of them, which for, for a hot second today, I was like, can we pull together $125 and go watch Jurassic Park for this episode at a theater, <laughs> in our own theater? Can we do that? And it was it uh, it took me realizing uh, poor, so yeah. not happening. <laughs> Um, 
Let's see. They're completely sold out for private showings for the weekend, by the way. Jesus. Uh, for today, tomorrow, and uh, I think Friday next week, they're completely sold out already. So is it um, 125 for the rental plus tickets? Or... I'm really afraid to click buttons because my credit card's on the account. Oh. <laughs> that is fair. Ooh, oof. It might be 125 a ticket. Because you can press plus like a bunch. That's awful. You can press plus up to like 10 times. That. Might so you be could technically bad. pay $1,200 to have nine people watch a movie. <laughs> oof. Yeah. Maybe that's I a need to like oof. look at information and policies. No children under six. No big bags. That doesn't help. Uh. I don't, I'm going to look into this some more. Because if it's like $125 a ticket, they are robbing people. Yeah. Yeah. That is a fuck that moment. Um, but yeah, the movies they have for offer is The Matrix. They gotta make their money back somehow. I guess, dude. <laughs> uh, the Matrix, Jurassic Park, Back to the Future, Goonies, only the first Harry Potter movie. Ugh. Despicable Me, <laughs> Ghostbusters, Grease, awesome, Greatest Showman, awesome, Jumanji Next Level, whatever. Mean Girls, weird choice, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Raiders of the Lost Ark, cool. Zootopia, fine. Black Panther, fine. Beauty and the Beast 2017, fine. Empire Strikes Back, that would be cool. Yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> Bad Boys for Life and Gremlins, which again would be so fucking cool. Gremlins, great. It would be so cool to rent your own theater and watch Gremlins. <laughs> so if anybody wants to donate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, unless you guys have anything else going on, I think uh, we can get out of here. Uh, I can see Sam is beating a little bit. I think all of us are beating a little bit in this room. It's so hot in this room. It's very warm. I can't tell where my sweat ends and my skin begins. <laughs> it, I feel um, disgusting. Once again, you'd probably freak out if you found out what my workout regimen is for me trying to get back into shape. She just like I sweat so goddamn much. You just like force yourself to sweat and then like put a blanket and a trash bag over you because you want hard mode. <laughs> Fucking. I mean, kind of. <laughs> Survival mode. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, I'm just dying of water. Or, or dying of dying of water. You don't let yourself drink water and hydrate. <laughs> it's just me in the Sahara Desert wearing a sweater for about three hours. <laughs> well, thank you guys for doing the live show with me. Of course. Yeah. Um, we're gonna get out of here, guys. If you're protesting out there, be safe. Gloves, masks, sanitizer, tests. Do what you can out there. If you're not, stay home. Stay alone. Stay alive. If you want to get a hold of us, you can do so at the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. That is the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on social media at the last ones in and the last ones in podcast on Facebook. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great night. Talk to you next week. Bye. That was impressive on my breath. <laughs>